G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann. And today for our New Year's Eve week, I'm bringing you a very special episode. It's the author of one of my favourite property investing books of all time, John Sephoric, who wrote The Wealthy Gardener, and it goes into the life lessons on prosperity between a father and son. An absolutely wonderful and key book for every property investor to read. It's part story, part uh, principles. It has sort of Eastern and Western philosophies in it. And today with John, I'm going to unpack some of those key principles and takeaways from the book and why I got so much out of it and think you will too. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, John. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's an absolute honour because I was just saying to you, I've read your book at least five times and I'd put it up there as one of the best property investing books for the next generation. And I don't say that lightly, especially when I started my journey with the likes of Rich Dad Poor Dad and I'd actually put this up as being better than that. So thank you so much for joining me today. Humble, Jared. Humble. Thank you so much. Uh, seriously, when somebody says that kind of thing to me, it's what makes uh, all the pain of a book worth it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, we're going to go into what The Wealthy Gardener is all about, some of its principles today, but let's start by having a bit of a chat about your background and upbringing, and it'd be just great to know what's behind the book. Sure. Uh, I think what's most noteworthy with my past is that it's not very noteworthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came solidly from the middle class uh, of America. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, a small town outside of Pittsburgh based on a coal mining business. My upbringing was that my father, my grandfather was a coal miner. The other farm, the other was a farmer. My parents, uh, they got together, got married and bought a half of a trailer, not a full trailer. I was the first person in my family to ever go to college. I came out of college with $200,000 worth of student debt in today's yeah. dollars. So, you know, I came out pretty well in a whole in a way that most of the people in my area didn't, couldn't fathom. And so, you know, you look like a, a well-dressed young man and I was a chiropractor mm. and uh, you just can't see the story behind the story where you're, you're really just working and there's this big, enormous student debt that controls everything you do in life. Uh, so that was the, that was the twenties for me. Mm. And so I, I, I had to work my way out of it. I would say that's, that's about the, uh, <laughs> the background that starts this this conversation yeah and tell us a bit about the wealthy gardener and why you chose to write it because you can tell yeah. as you read it that it's not just a lot of it was a labor of love so it was it's, it's a labor of love because it's uh it was written for my son way before this book was ever published i would say that i've i've, I've reached my financial goals before i turned 50 and at that time in my life my son was just going to college I had just reached my goals, and so I was. it was time for me to know when enough is enough. And yet I saw him heading out the door about ready to embark on his own journey. And it just felt like a calling to me to say, listen, this is what I know. And I, 
you're you're going to walk your own walk in life, but you might as well start from at least knowing the knowledge that I gained over all of my decades and start there and then walk your own journey. And so I, I wrote The Wealthy Gardener. You know, the subtitle is Lessons on Prosperity Between Father and Son. And it was a between father and son, no doubt about it. I would send things his way. He would argue back, sometimes mm-hmm. question. We would go back and forth. It was it was a great period of our lives where he was in college and we connected in a way that, uh, you know, I'll always look back at that time and say that was a that was a good couple of years. Mm. And rather than just going with straight principles and, you know, possibly losing readers in, you know, how many there there are, how many of those ingredients there are to creating wealth, what made you decide to write it in as a parable? So it's half story and half principles. I just love the way that it's delivered. Yeah. Was that the intention all along or Jared, I, I think it's really easy to write a dry recipe book on finance. Yeah, I also think it's, nece- it's necessary to, when you're speaking to your son, uh, to, to tell stories, maybe, mm. and that was the original intent. Uh, you know, the greatest teachers of all time, not including myself in them, but it's saying that those greatest teachers of all time will oftentimes speak in parables. So you can come to your own conclusion and you just give people something to think about. I think sometimes that's the job of a writer is to just break through the initial mindset of people so they can think differently. Sometimes stories will lead you to that. You'll see great, great teachers throughout history. They teach with parables. They teach with stories. I could tell you something in one step. It's not that hard. Or I could give you something to think about. And maybe I could give you the experience that I went through. And if you can get that, if I can get, convey that through a book, now you know, sticks with you. My son sticks with you, penetrates into you, mm-hmm. goes past your mind, maybe into the emotions. You know, that's that's what you're after with a, uh, as a writer. Sure. And I've um, 100%. spent a fair bit of time lately delving into the subconscious on the show. And I even had my hypnotist on, um, believe it or not, that who did work with me with reprogramming my subconscious and i think story as you've alluded to there's a fantastic way to start to reprogram our beliefs and just the ways that we think in our mindset and yeah sure because it, it can penetrate past the just the intellect like you know there's there's the intellect and then there's the subconscious that you're talking about now you're talking my language i love these conversations because i say i mean at a certain age we have learned enough. Yeah. It's not like we need tons more knowledge. Okay. We just need now to do the things we know to do. We don't mm. need new things. We can't do the things we do. And so now you're talking about what is that power that some people have that they just do things that they know they should do. And some of us will almost do things and we won't do yes. things consistently. And we, yeah, we say we want this it? and we absolutely now what is that now you're talking subconscious in my in my mind if you want to see what's in the subconscious mind you you just track a person's actions actions speak louder than words Mm. and then if you if you don't like your actions now you go back to the subconscious mind so i'm I'm loving what you're just saying (laughs) yeah well um, perfect in your book you also talk about having the seeds of desire that motivate you and you know i my seeds of desire were really strong from a young age because of my upbringing too and my reasons for creating wealth have changed over time as 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 you do but 
what were your seeds of desire to creating wealth and how did they come about? You know what, Jared? I know for a fact that everybody wants something and everybody fears something, right? Mm. That's, let's just start right there. And all I knew was I was so trapped in my 20s. All I could do was just go to work, spend myself, come home and just pay my bills over and over and over. And there came a point where is this all there is? <laughs> I mean, granted, the simple the simple pleasures exist there. You know, I have a family. I have a I have a great wife. We have a good relationship. We have kids. I have a roof over my. I'm not as I'm not in the coal mines like my son. I have a lot yeah. to be grateful for. But is that all that my potential on this earth was for? Okay, mm-hmm. is that all it was for? Just to earn a living and not get ahead. And I just felt a call to to not be controlled by the chase for a dollar. I, I felt like that was a constraint. Not that I wanted wealth. I don't really, I don't care about big houses and wealth. I, I really wanted freedom uh, yeah. to choose and to do things that I felt were the content of my days. I think that was my, my mm. big desire. I wanted to control Just the content choice. of my days. And that's what, that's what wealth will give you. Like, you'll still have the same challenges in life. You know, I've been on both sides of the track. You're going to have a lot of the, the same game on the wheel, but you have a choose. You can choose the content of your days when you have a certain amount of freedom. That's what it was about to me. Fabulous. And I, one of your, your quotes from the start of the book is that there was never just one ingredient that led to his financial freedom. It, it was a way of life. And I just love that because so many authors, experts in inverted commas that show the flashy trappings and other things that they think are attractive, you know, they offer the magic bullet. And it's just refreshing to me the layers that this book goes into and unpacks, you know, slowly for the reader and and does it in the story form, which is fabulous. But tell us about some of the ways of life, I guess, that led to, to your wealth. And we, you yeah, go through 100%. some of them in the book, but I'd love for listeners yeah. to hear a few. Absolutely. And it's, it's a, you know, I, I, I just noticed that you're asking the hard questions, Jared, <laughs> and, and, it's, it's, and that's great. It's great. Because one of the frustrations when I got on, I would get on to uh, speaking with people after a book is that what's, you'll get the question, well, what's the one secret? What's the big one? It's like, no, they're, uh, and I was, just, I was tripping over that question nonstop, even though I wrote a book. And they keep on uh, putting me on the spot. What's the one thing? What, what should I tell my readers? No, it's a way of life. It really is. And I really all, always loved the, the quote that success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Yeah. It's a nice. way of life. What are, those, what are those ways of life? And people talk about morning rituals. And I, am, I have been working so hard since the, this book came out to try to put that way of life into the next book in a way that people can say, they can unpack it and say, this is it. What's the way of life? In my opinion, the way of life is certainly mental clarity. You know, if you can't see it, Jared, in my life, if I couldn't see it, I couldn't do it. And what I mean by that is the imagination works in images. It's a secret life that nobody sees where I would wake up in the morning and I would visualize. I don't even like the term sometimes. It gets, it gets thrown around too much in America where you just visualize and things are supposed to come to you. Yeah. Things like the secret but, of almost giving it a bad name, but then people kind of yeah. leave it out of there yeah. and think it's not important. But then who, exactly. But then who doesn't mentally rehearse before a sport, sporting mm. event? And so, you know, you try to see things, you try to visualize things. That's part of life. 
So yeah, can you see it? I can never see it unless I can either write diagrams. First of all, clarity. Second of all, let's talk about that subconscious stuff that you're talking about, the hypnosis and stuff like that. However you do it, you got to do it. You got to control that big invisible force within you or else you're going to be at odds with yourself. You have, to, in my opinion, you have to get the body, mind, and soul aligned. Aligned. And sometimes that means you, 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 you again, clarity. So, you, so, so much mental preparation before the event of life. Sometimes I, I think that uh, people will go through a lot of things in the morning, all these rituals, and then they won't get to put in any hours. Now, you yeah. do have to put in the hours. And all these other things are just prep for the game. It's not the game. Visualizing, that's important, but it's not the game. Mm. Working on your mindset, it's important, but it's not the game. Uh, and in the book, you talk priorities. about those yeah. impact hours and just how important they are. So what yeah. is an impact hour? So let's say in my own life, okay, after you get your head straight and you, you really work on your mind, and these things are just to empower you to get into days and use your days. And I want people to understand that it's, it's not always about an impact hour is effective time use. What What is your goal? What moves you ahead? You've got to get clear on that. And you got to give yeah. time to that. So many of us, I see, go through all these rituals, but then they work a full-time job. They come home, they eat a big dinner, and they, slight, they watch TV and go to bed. Well, what happened that day? I mean, you're, you're certainly living a responsible life, but is that moving you closer towards your, your goal? Where's the impact hours there? In your free time, in your work job, an impact hour to me is a building block day after day after day. And the more you give, the more you get. Mm. That's where the work is. It's the work of earning whatever, whatever your well-chosen goal would be. It doesn't have to be wealth. But I can tell you one thing. If you don't give your hours, you don't use your potential. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's what a day looks like. What I think sometimes people see is that, oh my gosh, you're working so hard. And I'm saying, no, I'm not. I'm just using my time here. I'm not digging ditches. Mm. I'm just, you know, while you're raking your yard, we have to do those kind of things. I have to, I happen to be doing other things. My sacrifice was that I had to be intent day after day, calm, focused, steady. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not mm. out of breath. I'm just it's focused. Like anything, using you get my time. In the, the habit of it. And some of my yeah. team say to me, oh, what did you do on the weekend? And yes, I had recreational time and time with my family and time to enjoy things. but. When I was working out at the gym, I was listening to that audio book. And, then I was, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. you can get a whole university degree in your spare time just, you know, from hours that you might otherwise be just wasting. So, oh, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're preaching to the choir. Oh, that's, that's so fantastic. Music to my ears. So many people don't, you know, I, I see it all the time. I, I always did. I needed to. Yeah. Uh, I always say that maybe that was because I had bigger goals and I, I just needed to stretch myself and I needed to expand who I was. And I, so I'm always Definitely. doing those sorts of things. Um, sure. You don't need that stuff if you don't have stretch goals. So if you do now, have, uh, a, have a stretch goal. The day yeah. goes by and I actually feel, you know, if I haven't grown or learned something or furthered myself, I feel like, you know, it hasn't been a great day. So that's the other side of it yeah. when it becomes a habit. Yeah. You know, I think when you, I, I really feel like when you get in touch with what your full potential starts to feel like, mm. like I take it to that Addictive. level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it's supposed to be okay. Like we're not supposed to be removed from like people will say, well, that looks like work. Well, it looks like, it looks like your full potential is, is what it looks like to me. Um, so if you're working, you, you're putting garbage in garbage out. Yeah. 
working out a lot of people say to me to me you know jared i'm too busy to create wealth is does it come down to the choice of where you put those hours or what do you say to someone that is letting i would say this get in the way i would say that so much of what we focus on is what we do but what we i think the first step of wealth is to focus on the don'ts i think the don'ts take up a lot of time in our society Mm. Uh, in the new, in my book coming up, let's say we have, a, we have wealthy do's, you know, things we, you're supposed to, mm-hmm. that you, sh- you know, to do, and we have, there's wealthy don'ts. Well, what's the wealthy don'ts? Well, okay. What are you doing? Is it social media? What's the vices? Your, what, what are your vices? There are a lot of vices that will just take your time, claim your time, money, and your potential. If you don't watch out for them, shut it down. Social media, there's going to be some good recreations. You may have to give up things like that. that You have to make choices. It's called sacrifice, but you're sacrificing something you want now for something you want most. And that room is there, but you've got to eliminate the vices. If somebody's sitting around drinking, that takes up a lot of time. And then there's the next day when you want your best too. Yeah. You do touch on um, giving up of alcohol in the book, actually, don't you? And just not being your best self for your children so that has been playing back to me even lately when i first read it in your book i was like no way like you know i enjoy enjoy (laughs) it too much and now i'm down to maybe one uh one tiny whiskey a week and even when i have it i'm like do i even really need this (laughs) (laughs) hey man i'm not preaching what message is it giving i'm not preaching I listen. But you can everyone can choose moderation. Uh, you know, absolutely. I'm, it's I've got my staff Christmas it. party tomorrow, and uh, I'm I'm going to have a few then, so I'll be making up for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to be known that I am certainly not judging, nor do I give a care what people do. I'm just trying to explain in my own life why I gave it up mm. when my kids were watching me. And um, I always say that I just don't think I'm smart enough to succeed with uh, different. <laughs> Oh, drugs in my head. I'm just, yeah. people are better than me. I'm not smart enough. Mm-hmm. So I leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't well other than uh, giving up of the alcohol, what were some of the other daily mental practices that you talk about earning good luck? And I just love that concept because that's the thing that 100%. people say to, to others all the time too. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah. What's behind that? What okay. Some of the, the ways that you can turn luck in your favor. Sure. So, I could give an example, uh, just as a story in my life. Let's say, let's say that at one point I wanted to buy a commercial building on a busy uh, thoroughfare in my hometown to move my chiropractic clinic over. And so, what's the process? How do, what do I go through every time? Every time I do it, I go through this process of what does it look like? I try to get it so clear in my mind. I focus completely on this goal. I just spend time, 10 minutes every day, and then you get on with your life, you get your head straight. But if there's just something, Jared, that every time I've done this, that I, I see coincidences show up that have always made me wonder. Mm. I'm like, a, I'm always an agnostic. Okay. I, I don't know, but here's what I, here's what I observe. Okay. Let's say when my mind gets on that and I get into a feeling and I can experience that, that one becoming mine, odd things start to happen. Okay. Mm. And in this case, there was, there was one person that was totally against us. Uh, he was on the board. He carried a lot of heavy weight. Well, okay. He was against me. I, I mean, I could kiss butt with the best of them in real estate, but he wasn't, he wasn't coming around to my way of thinking. 
And okay, what do I do? I just keep on focusing and feeling and, and, and experiencing that. That's just how what I've learned to do in my life. So we have the big, we have this one big finale. Uh, the board is coming together, the zoning board, everybody's going to decide whether or not all of my improvements can happen on this road that I'm talking about, paving, all this signs about the road. They said, we're just, no, there are no by the board. Okay. Well, due to a bunch of circumstances on that particular night, that man could not make it to the meeting. Mm. And, you know, we'll say, well, that's, that's pretty lucky. That's a good coincidence. And, I, you know, I just wanted to speak up for those coincidences in my life in this book, because I think so many people will back off of that because it can sound a little spiritual. It'll sound a little bit uh, maybe mythical. And all I know is I would never not do that. And I have always seen it's obviously things played I can't a pretty key role, explain. Hasn't it? So you can't leave it out. Jared, things I can't explain happen. That's all. And I can tell you that they happen enough in their stories of it in my book, nonstop. I don't claim to say, listen, uh, you have to follow a religion. You have to do this or that. But I did want to speak for those things and say, I stand by this, but I don't know what's going on. I'm not that smart, but here's what happened. And here's what happened. And here's what happened. I wanted three months off. I got a break and I got three months off. These kind of things happen. Okay. And I just didn't want that left unsaid to my son or to eventually geez uh, once i published it to the world i guess <laughs> uh, so yeah that's so, that's what put my mind on creating luck looks like to me sure well take us through in your book you talk about the wealth seasons and you touched on then when you're in your 20s where you know pretty much survival was the core focus and and you have a few characters in your book as well one of them is actually named jared which it's not the oh, only, only reason why I love your book. But, you know, he's the uh, the sloppy guy that's not motivated, living at home at age thirty I'm or whatever. So, I'm he sorry is, about so. that, Jared. <laughs> when I was coming on this, I was thinking about that. Your name is Jared. Yeah, yeah. So he's that's a, that's motivating for me not to end up that way. <laughs> but, um, but I think uh, the, the wealthy gardener actually says some things to. Jared in the book about the wealth seasons and yeah, take us through them because it just it, it almost takes the pressure off a bit and just allows you to make the most of the season you're in. Hundred percent. And if you if you can't relax a little, you're just not going to enjoy the process. Mm, exactly. No matter what, I guarantee you that, that I would say that I was too much in a rush and I had to always pull myself back. <laughs> the impatience, yeah. God, well, like. I, it's almost like I cost myself a, so much by being so impatient. And it's easy when you 100%. get to the other side and look back. And, but in the moment, I promise you, you, you that burning you're desire, you're, you can almost burn up people with impatience. <laughs> so. You're telling my story. You know, uh, here I am, I'm 57 years old. And I can tell you that my great regret is that I was impatient the whole, the whole way. Mm. I, you know, you, you don't have, it doesn't speed things up. You'll hear a lot of people talk about how this burning desire, you got to speed it up, you got to have it. That's not true. You can be just as effective calmly. Uh, so it's like you're still going to do the things you're going to do. You're not going to speed things up by being crazy and being agitated. I, it's about focus. And in my and case so as well, I, I was so busy, you know, actively renovating properties and developing properties and selling properties and joint venturing with people and turning so much over. Perhaps if I'd just you know, in my case, held more quality properties and and not been so impatient, I would be a lot further ahead too. So, you know, twenties. I mean, yeah, you're you're basically learning 
how to you know, how to figure it out for yourself and how it works economically in the world. You know, you, there's no free lunch. You're going to learn that in your 20s. So you're learning a lot about money, learning about yourself as well. So you get yourself in the right situations where you can actually thrive. I say the 30 to 60 is where you're going to do a lot of your life work, a lot of your uh, savings. You know, in terms of the seasons of life. You know, from 30 to 60, it's just you, you plow forward. You gain more and more responsibilities. You're going to, you know, pick up family. You're going to have to learn how to navigate that with your ambition because, you know, nobody wants to have a, have an unfulfilled family life along with it. And, you know, if you, if you learn how to bring your family and partner with, with them into your venture, and I don't mean having them in your houses or having them in your business, but just having them in your life and in your communication, being authentic with them, tell them what your fears are. Having that interaction, you're, you're going to learn a lot of that kind of stuff in your 30s to 60s. You know, you're going to see your kids grow up. And meanwhile, it's just about steady progress. 60 and beyond, I'm not there yet. But I can tell you that it looks like freedom if you do it right. And if, if you do freedom right, it, it can get you into a lot more meaning. You can find things that fulfill you. Mm-hmm. You can find simple pleasures because the content of your day isn't so uh, controlled. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to sit around and become soft. It means that you can actually appreciate a walk in the woods because you have that. The content that surrounds you, it changes if you have freedom, if you have wealth. If you don't, mm-hmm. you're going to work until you're dead. Uh, you know, you're going to work mm-hmm. the whole way. I think that's what people always ask, you know, is a sacrifice worth it? I said, well, which sacrifice are you talking about? Because you watched a lot of TV and you sacrificed your future. I didn't watch TV. I sacrificed the TV and I got my freedom. So what are we talking about here? What sacrifice? Which end are we talking about? I sacrificed the front end. Oh man, I never want to be sacrificed in the back end. Mm. Uh, that's for sure. You know, when you get older. So, so is all of that yeah, sacrifice I think that's on the front end worth it for you, John? You know, well, what did I sacrifice, John? You know, when you think about it. Okay, so I think about that. Is it, what did I sacrifice? I sacrificed a lot of TV. I sacrificed golf. I did TV and golf. What else did I sacrifice? I had time with my family. I sacrificed no, a lot of hangovers. Still kept the the family yeah. as a core piece because many people go too far yeah. into their work and and then wake up with a divorce at forty or fifty. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Read a book once uh, on on that. I said number one thing you can do to to end up wealthy is not get divorced. <laughs> yeah, not lose fifty percent. <laughs> we laugh, but yeah. uh, it is so true. Hundred percent, and not the emotional, the emotional anguish people go through with that just sucks it out of you. You know, you can't even work at that point. But yeah, what did I sacrifice? The the good things I sacrificed were I like play, I like playing basketball. I did the, the golfing. Uh, yeah, I sacrificed some sunny days there. I sacrificed some hangovers that other people had. A lot of drinking. What else did I sacrifice? Nothing. Nothing. TV and some some good entertainments. So I don't see it as that. You know. But the wonderful thing about when you're going into those first seasons is that it's an adventure and it's a lot of fun too if you're not just sitting on the couch watching tv so you know it was a relief it's a relief to be honest with you whenever you have a clear goal and you're pursuing it that to me was oh thank god it feels so much better than not not knowing what to do in my life Mm. yeah Absolutely. You, you do. There's an energy to progress that uh, I think people underestimate until they feel it. It's like exercising. You know, you, you got to get to the point where you start getting in shape to feel good from exercise. So yeah, I, I think a lot of people stop because they don't get there. That you know? feeling, yeah. And in the oh, book, you better. talk about the five-year crusades and sort of, I kind of picture these crusades 
making up the seasons as you go. And mm. I love the the time period of five years because I, I struggle to think often beyond that too. And it's just a nice chunk of time to organize my clarity and my thinking. And, and 100%. I've wasted a lot of time in my life thinking beyond it. Okay. Because here's the thing. Yes. Go ahead and set up your 30-year plan. I don't care. Mm. Do it. But I promise you, in five years, you're going to be a whole new person, whole new set of circumstances. People are going to be dead around you. You're going to not have people around you. Your your jobs are going to change. Everything's going to change around you every five years. Yeah, you might so have a family. You're thinking entirely different. You know, hundred percent. So if you, I I like to say to keep things open. Five years is enough. It's enough time to change everything. However. It's also a time where it, you, it might be time for some reflection because you're going to be a new person. You always are. Go back five years, and what you're doing now is usually impossible in your mind five years ago. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I'm doing this now. <laughs> when did you start your podcasting? When did you start that? Two years ago. Okay. So yeah. five years ago, you, you might not have seen that, right? When did you start your real estate business? 14 years ago. Yeah. 14? Mm. So can you imagine taking yourself back 15 years and saying what's possible in your life it's a bad it's oh a bad God. yeah it's a it's a bad spot to say come up with it and i yeah. was i pinched myself and said to my wife today like i interviewed one of our other authors from australia who's one of the biggest selling um authors in australia uh, today as well and so i was so buzzed mm-hmm. out that i'm getting to meet and interview my two favorite authors in a single day and i was saying to my <laughs> wife the 16 year old that uh, started out on this journey in reading Rich Dad yeah. Poor Dad, could never have imagined that I'd be doing that in a single day, you know. So, and that's the case for five-year goals, yeah. because if say fifteen years ago, you can only go out about five years, and you you're lucky to get that one. Mm. Let alone leapfrogging over that one, then the next five, then the next five, you can't even think about it. So no. just stick to here. Make it, you know exactly. It's exactly the point. Everything's impossible if you think too far. But if you stick within smaller increments and then keep on choosing up, choosing up, choosing up, all of a sudden you start to see impossibilities vanish. Did I say on your website or somewhere online that you might be working on another book to cover that in depth? Is that is that right? Is, am I no, a scoop? No, no. <laughs> no, you're definitely. Yeah. You know, the, the, the main character from this book, I, I look at the, the Wealthy Gardeners, the Godfather 1 movie, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> I look at this next one is the Godfather 2. And it has to uh, live up to it. But uh, yeah, I would say that the main character, Jimmy, who's going to be going back to the, the boys, the reform boys, you know, it's a lot of story about him. And he doesn't always handle the responsibilities of wealth at 22 as well as he should have. Uh, mm. So there's a, there's a whole new level of getting wealthy and staying wealthy. And he's learning that real hard. Awesome. Is it? Yeah, it's going to be a, a he's, he has a class called Behavioral Wealthology. He teaches at the prison, and that is the sum of small efforts day in and day out, no doubt about it, in order to reach impossible goals. And the word impossible is important because these kids coming out of a reform system in the United States, 70% of them return to prison in five years. So they, it's not even possible for them to think of getting ahead. They have to just try to stay free and not cheat and not go back to jail. And yeah. so he's in a position of trying to help them, disadvantaged youths, get it together. Because uh, he came from the same prison. So mm. that's the idea of the story. Yeah, sure. No, no I yeah. can't wait. And I've, I've hit my head. <laughs> I've hit, been hitting my head off a wall for three years on this story. <laughs> I, I'm 
you know, you see the wealthy gardener. I'm so I'm honored and humbled that you appreciate it. It, it always comes with a lot of just pain. I, I almost kill myself. Yeah, I kill myself in these books because I just can't quite get them right. <laughs> so, yeah. So you touched on a few little keys in there, but how do we create change when you're starting out, especially when that goal can seem so big? And I think you just might have let the, the secret out then when breaking it down into small daily practices that may not even seem like much, but when the you get challenge, it's like a snowball down a a snow down a, a big mountain, you know, at the start, it's a few snowflakes and 100%. keep doing the same yeah. thing and building that 100%. momentum. and Day by day, Jared, no doubt about it. But here's the game of it, man. You know, society is, is indifferent, okay? It doesn't care if you win or lose. Yeah. It's not against you. It's not for you. It's just there. In society, there are vices to choose and there are virtues to choose. Uh, vices, to me, look like a lot of wasting time or using time. It's always a game of that sort of thing. It's about what you feed your mind, what you don't feed your mind. Mm. It's all about, do you control your subconscious mind or do you let it control you? It's so much of that. It's intentionality. It's choosing short-term or long-term. What tastes good today or what feels, what feels good today or what's better for you long-term. What you want now versus what you want most. Mm. All of that's playing out in society. And every day there's choices like that. In the meantime, the, the challenge of it all is you're doing everything right. You're doing everything right. You're doing everything right. And damn it, you just don't see. Yeah, it's not showing up yet. You know? The oak tree grows so slowly in days, yeah. but it grows a lot in five years. And that's the thing that's the hardest part of mentality when you're doing this stuff. You have to keep doing what you know is right without seeing it. <laughs> so how do we track our efforts how do we track our progress how do we track our effectiveness our impact that's really important because the tree if you stare at that oak tree it grows a lot in five years but not even it's unobservable in a month and so often is our success the same way but we just got to stay at it awesome so in the book you also talk about discontentment i related to that one a lot <laughs> Tell us. Yeah. You know, how can that be a fuel for your fire, so to speak? Or how can you use that discontentment in a positive Destructive way? Destructive discontentment. Yeah. Sure. I mean, without discontentment, uh, Jared, I, I, we'd all be uh, using outhouses, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it gets a bad name. Like, we should accept what is and yeah. settle for it. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe <laughs> we'll oftentimes hear that by, by pious preaching people, you know, accept what is well, wait a minute, maybe God puts some potential in you and you're not quite fulfilling it. And maybe that's why you're, you're discontented. Maybe that desire is, is, is a good thing. It's positive. I believe in discontentment. I also believe in enough, you know, it's, there's, there's always, there's, I'll get interviewed on a podcast and people will say, well, why didn't you keep going further? Like I, I have 110 rentals. Um, I think that it's really important to know when you're, where your enough is mm. and to stop and to say, okay, now this is my next five years. So it is important to know where your enough is. Discontentment is just like financial fear. People say, oh, well, don't think about fears. Don't think about fears. Are you kidding me? You know, people get run over by cars not thinking about fears. And so <laughs> we are definitely pulled by positive emotions. And we are also pulled to avoid insecurities, things that are threats to our existence. Discontentments that don't fit our way of believing. That's not a problem. That's called a human being seeking growth. That's all good. Most of the people that are preaching to you against that, 
are people who are stuck and they're quite frankly not comfortable with your amount of effort. It doesn't make them feel too good when they're not working as hard as you. So there's it's you gotta, like they've you given just, up and, and they think that your discontentment's wrong. Here's what I understand for sure is that I don't need people to understand me who aren't working hard. When you're trying to explain yourself to them, just stop and get back move move somewhere else. You can't. You'll never change them. But that's what I know for sure. And you also talk about self mastery and it's you know, it's something that I've I really resounded with as well in the book. Tell us about how you think about self-mastery and how it relates to wealth and that journey that we all go on. You know what? <laughs> well, I, I've got this question before, and I have done such pitiful, terrible, embarrassing, humiliating explanations of this. What am my idea <laughs> of self-mastery? Is. Been playing around and your I head since. Good God, I'm terrible explaining what I mean by this. Okay, but here's the thing. I used to play sports, and I bring it back to this, right, when I'm, when I'm young. And if you walk onto a sporting event, there is if anybody who's got in this state where you will control this game because you are in command of it. You're just going to score 30 points in a basketball game. Get out of my way. This is happening today. I'm sorry. This is not your day. This is my day. But when you get in that kind of a mood, that's an invincible feeling. I love uh, it. It's a, yeah. it, Now I'm in charge of my emotions. People call it the flow state. But... Now, how does that translate uh, into real life? Into real life, to me, it's so I just love that. About, I still play basketball um, twice a week, and I want to keep playing. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. like even you, this week, we, we, we were down by three. There's five minutes to go. It's that absolute belief in all of us. We're not going to lose this game. Like, yeah. you know, Despite and that's what the, de- what you the see deciding decision, you know. Yeah. It's will. It's more than intellect. It's way bigger than intellect. It's emotional. And I, that's what I was getting to. Now, that's easy to, to come to while we'll sailing on a sporting event. We get it. How does that play into an eight hour day at your job in the middle of a week? To me, Jared, I had to keep my, my, um, it's emotional. To me, mm. it's, it's on the wellness wheel. You know, you talk about the different parts of your life. It's emotional. I had to keep my emotions at a high level, meaning calm, but confident. Okay. All day long. Despite the fact that it looks like I'm losing and I'm down by three and all odds are against me. Yeah. And maybe uh, if I let myself fall into fear, I would. But no, that's not the way you play in the fourth quarter when you're down by 15 points. No, it's my job to keep myself stable up. And that's what I mean by self-mastery to me is an emotional state. I can get there by exercise. I get there through biology, food, exercise. Posture, things like that have started for me. Then you get to the point where you control that invisible subconscious mind of yours because it controls more of us than we want to know. That shadow work is important. But to me, self-mastery is all about feeling confident despite everything I see. Mm. It's my job to feel confident. And confidence is an emotion. It's all emotional. Awesome. And one of the things I see many investors struggle with and that's why i keep bringing it up in a lot of my podcasts and it's funny the common thread that this weaves through all of us that have you know made wealth and become financially free is the importance of saving and i love how you talk about saving urgently in your book so sure why do you think everyone doesn't do it when you know it's when it's so logical that in order to invest, in order to get ahead, we need to be able to save. 
yet most yeah. people don't do it and most people don't save urgently like you talk about it. I think that it comes down to what we want now versus what we say we want. Yeah. There's no doubt. Of, and, you know, keep in mind that in society, spenders are rewarded by social status. So we get reward from this. If we, if we buy this, this you know, the, the bigs, let's call it, talk about the bigs, the house, the cars, the food, the clothes, that, those are the bigs. We get rewarded. People look up to us. I mean, I, you know, if you have a lot of renters, you realize that there's a lot of people that can show up with a really nice car, look great, speak mm, well, yep. and their finances are a mess. Yeah, we see it day yeah. in, day out with what we do. Sure. Yep. Social status. You get so people they they go to the, they, they they get esteem from peers. Society showers you with affection if you spend and look good. Uh number two, it's just easier. Quite frankly, it's 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 just like eating a dessert or it's it's you do the thing that feels good. As opposed to the thing that might be the best long-term idea, I you guess know, that's why there is there. so many uh, parallels between being healthy with your eating and being disciplined with your money. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, come on, it's like, yeah. it's about devices. It's, it's the things that feel good and taste good. I always say that I don't believe in a in a kind God because God made ice cream taste good <laughs> and broccoli taste like broccoli. And it's like you know, you always have these choices every day of your life to eat broccoli or or, or ice cream. You can spend or not spend. You know, there's, there are books that will tell you that we are so bad at impulsive behavior that it's just better to get that money off the books, automatic savings plans, get it out of there. And then you have a forced amount of money that you almost like an allowance that you're allowed to spend. I mean, so you can make that decision, your strong state. The problem is in our weak state, we don't have, we don't have the same amount of willpower. And so all of a sudden, these little hundred dollars adds up to this. Well, where the hell did my money all go? Nobody knows. Mm. Where the hell did my time all go? Nobody knows. All I know is I have no money in my time, and that's going to be my excuse now because now I'm 35 years old. I'm going to throw my age on it too. Let's have let's let's throw that as an excuse. But the next five years are coming. Wait a minute. The next five years are coming. You have a choice to make those your best years, the big years of your life. But you got to get it straight in your head. You got to not spend. It's time. It's money. It's potential. That's all you got. There's nothing else. If you, you can spend time, money, potential, or you can use time, money, potential. There is nothing else. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it in its simplicity, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't see where it's wrong. I, I've thought about it. <laughs> and one of the things uh, yeah. I always like I to live- do is, um, you know, before I had money, I developed really great habits. So when I got it, it, it I just mm. continued. And sure. I like to think about especially for my listeners, like what is financial freedom going to look like after? Because everyone focuses so much on the getting there, but, you know, then what? What is it for you, John? And is that the pinnacle of climbing the mountain? Is there there more once you get up to that first peak? Well, I would would say this, Jared. If your, your goal is to sit on the beach, you don't have the motivation inherent in that goal to get there. It's not going to work. That's just not a motivating goal. Now, financial freedom is the start, and it's the start of whatever. I'll tell you, for some people, it's it's the start of a lot of bad habits. Not everybody's ready for it. Yeah, There's too much freedom. Uh, not everybody can handle that. Now, it can be the start of the best things of your life. You can have time now, let's say, to serve in your own way. Who are you? Have you figured this <laughs> out? What is the, what is the gift you're going to give to society? 
not because you're you're a saint, but because this makes you feel fulfilled. Mm. Yeah, uh, those are the kind of things that you can do in retirement. That's the kind of things you can do with financial freedom. You can sit here and and meet people on your podcast because you put in efforts in the past. Guess what? If you're slaving because you spent all your money, you're somewhere in a factory right now. You're not doing what you're doing. You know, I appreciate the fact that you're staying up at nighttime. It's it's like 9.30-ish or something your time right now. It's early in the morning my time right now. You have content choices. I think that's the best thing you can do with the freedom. Me, I find a torture and a fulfillment in writing. <laughs> you know, and this, that's, that's, there's something to that. People say, well, you find the torture you can endure, you know, the hard work that you can endure. That's kind of what you're looking for in life. You know, forget about the, the rainbow and the passion. It just feels right and you're satisfied. I feel satisfied there, but I can't write if I'm just slaving every day, chasing a dollar. I, I'm just not smart enough to do both. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what freedom is the start of purpose, but purpose gets you freedom. So there's, it's individualistic. Everybody has their own purpose, I think. And I guess when you wrote The Wealthy Gardener, it was, you know, your lessons to your son. Like you, you mentioned that you're yeah. writing this next book. Who, who are you writing this one for? You know, this, I have to, okay, so perfect question again. I mean, I could just tell you've been through it. I, I admire you for this, the ways you ask the questions because here I'm 57 and you're, you're, you've got to figure out what I'm going through right now. So who am I writing for? I feel like uh, there's some inner city kids that I know who are good and hungry. And I look at them as part of the, out of all of the feedback I've gotten from my book, which was translated into, you know, 10 languages and it hit number 46 worldwide and all this kind of stuff. I get, you know, I'll get like a Nobel laureate and I'll get a couple of prisoners give me feedback. You know, who, who really, I love, I love the prisoners. I love them. Uh, they write and they talk about their hope in the future. So that's who I'm writing it for. Um, um, it's a fictitious story. But I do feel the need of hunger. And these people just, they just want to have to get ahead. I don't think everybody wants wealth. I think people want, I think a lot of people just want to not be fearful. They don't want to have money worries. And then they want to get on with their life. Mm. I'm writing it for that. You know, this, I think there's a 22 year old in my own life, you know, my past self that really didn't know what was coming. You know, so I went through a lot of uh, pain and I'm, I guess I'm still trying to figure that out that use that so that the other people won't go through that same pain right mm. well that's Man, why it didn't I have to be this long for me go and mentor teenagers as well it's like i went through yeah so much pain and difficulty trying to find the path and just feel like if i mm -hmm. can at least create a context and and help them find theirs earlier that's what keeps me coming back to that so 100 percent. now you're talking about retirement stuff like mm. so what are you going to do in retirement uh, well you're i guarantee if you're going to be happy you're going to find some sort of a service a purpose don't, i don't even have to go into it human beings are wired to be tribal they just you just have i'm not sure why we are but we are you're not quite happy unless you're serving something your fulfillment will be lost if you're just thinking about yourself only and so as the most selfish thing you can do you can serve others in retirement in a way that really really fulfills you well, I'm that's hoping what I'm that what we've chatted about today will certainly help improve other people's lives that are listening. And I think that's a really great place to end things on. And this is coming out just before New Year's. Um, so a great time if anyone hasn't read The Wealthy Gardener to check out the links in the show notes. You can buy it in all the, the major places. And I, I love the audiobook version on Audible personally. And because, yeah, you can get it in and 
around all those other things that you're doing in life. You can really work up some impact hours there and and what a great time of year to be to be doing some working on yourself as well. So check out the book. Anything f- finally to add, John? It's been such a privilege and pleasure to have you on and really appreciate no. you taking the time. I'm impressed by you. Uh, I, I, I told you on the start of the show that I really love my Australia publisher and I, I've had nothing but positive. I'm starting to have nothing but positive uh, experiences with the Australian crowd. So uh, mm. you're, you're fitting right in. I, I appreciate it, Jared. And uh, sorry for Sutton writing such a um, a character named Jared in my book. We didn't quite <laughs> it's quite work anti, out. Anti self. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're uh, certainly the opposite of that. So uh, thank, you, thank you for having me on your show. Appreciate it. Just a reminder: the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature, as we don't know your specific situation. You should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group. Thank you.